Your lips can do a whole lot more than kiss. Your lips express love and speak your truth. Plump your lips with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC for natural-looking results that are completely and uniquely you. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there is a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. To In the Know, the Bourbon Street Shots Podcast. We're your hosts, Shemit Dua and Mason Ginsberg, and this is all Pelicans all the time. Welcome to the In the Know Green Room. Summer League, Pelicans offseason, catch-up. Uh, we haven't done this in a very long time. I've been out of town taking care of some family stuff, and it's just um uh, haven't had time to do this, so we're going to do it now. I uh, appreciate you all joining. Got a lot to recap. First of all, uh, I hate to say this. It was very painful for me, but the Memphis deal was only limited to three teams. It didn't blow up into five, six, seven teams. Very disappointing for me. I was a big moment. I'm happy that it was only three teams. Well, no, I'm not happy that it was only three teams. I'm happy that it did get ex- expanded, period, because the Pelicans were able to get a trade exception out of it. But I really, really wish it could have turned into something crazy. Would have been would have been fun to see. So I'm going to pour one out for the Memphis deal, take a little moment for it. Um, beyond that, the Pelicans have started to tie the bows on their offseason. They had a couple of outstanding bookkeeping tasks that they have wrapped up. Um, They've started with finalizing the Memphis deal, finalizing the Chicago deal, finalizing the signings of Willie Hernan Gomez, Didi Lozada, Herb Jones, Garrett Temple. And the outstanding one they have right now is figuring out what the hell is going to happen with the tamper situation and figuring out, uh, not figuring out, but also signing Josh Hart, who has agreed to his deal, but the pen to paper uh, has not happened yet. Well, I mean, maybe he's actually put the pen to paper and the the league office hasn't processed it. One of the other is going on, um, but that is not officially official yet in terms of how the league operates, but a lot is going on. Oh yeah, they signed, they signed Trey Murphy to his rookie contract as well, and he's been balling out. So that's been... That's been great to see. I am really excited for y'all to see this Josh Hart deal when when it becomes available. Um, if, if you guys thought the Darius Miller stuff was hilarious, this is going to be even more so. So um, that's all I'm going to say on the matter for, for that. But, you know, hopefully that gets you excited as to what, what the deal might look like. Um, I, I am going to start opening up the floor for everyone. If you want to join in and start asking questions, feel free to start raising your hand. I will get in as many of you as possible. Um, and if there's not that many of you, we're just going to roll with the, with the loud few. So, I mean, there's only 12 of us, right? What up, Max? How's it going, Schmidt? Uh, it's going well. How are you? Doing pretty well. Uh, just getting – what I wanted to ask is, like, as it relates – our off season. So ultimately I think it came away. We came away with flexibility and some solid roster improvements, but do you think it's fair to say we had like a slight misread on the off season? Like specifically, you know, we missed on all the key free agents. Uh, the Memphis deal didn't explode and like, yeah, we managed to salvage it with the trade exception. 
plan B or did we, you know, misread it more than maybe we thought? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think you were cutting out a little bit. Maybe it was something on, on my end. But uh, with regards to the Memphis deal and misjudging um, how the offseason was going to play out, I, I think that's accurate to say. I think the Pelicans went into this offseason wanting to create a lot of flexibility. And when they created a lot of that flexibility, they're like, okay, let's go see if we can get Kyle out. Let's go see maybe we can throw a bunch of money at Chris Paul. What's going to happen in that situation? Okay, they didn't want our money. Let's go see if some of these other guys might want it. Oh, wait, no one wants our money. So what I think is they were optimistic. They were they were projecting a lot of confidence, um, both internally and externally, with regards to what was going to happen in the offseason, which has colored the reactions that people have had. Uh, if, you know, the Pelicans were super quiet about this, and, you know, they just made the, the Memphis deal. They, they opened up the flexibility and they didn't broadcast that, hey, we were looking to do all of these big things. People probably wouldn't say much. They'd probably be like, hey, they, they did pretty well for themselves. They got off all this money. They have future flexibility and the ability to add stuff. But because they were like, hey, we're, you know, <laughs> we're going big game hunting and they did not get a single big fish, it looks a lot worse in uh, from an expectation standpoint. So, I, I do think they probably overplayed their hand and also misjudged uh, the willingness for people to come to New Orleans, which has been something that's existed since the franchise has been here. But also, this franchise hasn't done anything as of recent, uh, as as of recent play to attract players who want to win at a high level. You know, um, even the Suns, who were meh. Uh, last year, they finished 8-0 and in the bubble, and you're like, okay, well, this is a team that has a clear upward trajectory, and Monty Williams was really well-liked, and, and so for Chris Paul, it was easy for him to feel like he can go there and make a difference, right? Because, you know, the the thunder that he was on prior to that basically was supposed to be a tanking team, and he drug them to the playoffs, so he was like, yeah, sure, this is probably a better team. Let me see what I can do here. So I think I think it's fair to say the Pelicans – Swung big and and missed on on the big ones. Is that hubris, you think, or I mean, is it a reasonable expectation they should have been able to land something on? Uh, I would say I would say it's more hubris. I don't I don't know if you can logically look at the team, its on court performance and the market here, and say it's reasonable to expect big name players to come here. I don't know if you can do that. So I think you have to really build something here. And if you're a team who's fired two coaches in back-to-back years, and there's a really bad juju around your team, um, you know, JJ's mouthing off about the organization. There just isn't, there just wasn't anything positive going on for the franchise. And even with Zion being as good as he is, you know, there's that festering report in the athletic about his family being unhappy and, you know, him wanting, them wanting him to be somewhere else. So I just don't know how if you're a, a top-tier NBA player, you look at this situation in New Orleans and be like, yeah, I can fix that. You know, I mean, and, and, and you know, like from an on-play standpoint, yeah, they could absolutely fix that. But why do that when you have other options, right? Why, why go through that when you can go to the Miami Heat? So, um, yeah, I think it was a bit of a lesson learned for for the Pelicans here that, you know, there's, yeah, we swung, we missed. Uh, we probably have to go about this a little more slowly and a little bit more creatively. Uh, one last question. Do you think there's any, like, generational component to that? Because it seems like the rookies we got this year, you know, are excited to come here. And, like, obviously, you know, rookies just want to get drafted. But, like, someone like Trey Murphy was presumably going to get drafted around us anyway. So, like, people like him being excited to come here, is that just because they haven't been hardened by the league? Or do you just think, as time goes on, the negative stereotypes kind of? Yeah, I mean, I think that's just a kid happy to get drafted. <laughs> I think, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the league. I think, you know, they're going to say that no matter where they get drafted. And, and you know, you're already hearing a guy like Jalen Green be like, yeah, Detroit, I wouldn't have been able to do anything. Just would have been able to work out Houston's a better vibe. You know what, you know what I mean? So I don't think it's a generational thing at all. I think it's just, it is what it is. It's the reality.
Yeah, I got you. All right. Thanks, Schmidt. Yep. What up, Andrew? Hey, doing good. How have you been? Good, man. How you holding up? Doing well. Life is good. Just had a question in regards to just listen to quite a few podcasts, seen your stuff on Twitter. And why do people seem so down on Devontae Graham? Like I've, I've seen people talking about Kyra Lewis Jr. Pretending potentially having plenty of time over him, Najee Marshall, uh, as, as well as uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker. Th- those are good players who project well, but just from a standpoint of actual play, three-point shooting, fit, fit next to Zion and Brandon Ingram, and considering this, the traje- trajectory the Pelicans are on to try to not only um, make make some noise in the playoffs this year, but also based on the deal that they provided him, like it, it wasn't the same amount of money Lonzo ended up getting with the Bulls, but he's, he's still getting paid around what twelve million a year. I'm just curious why. Now it's not only you, but it just seems like the rest of the national media is really down on Devonte Graham and the Pelicans offseason. Where I thought their worst move was just getting rid of the protector's first round pick, but everything else. Uh, Sounds like it plays well in the future when you look at the money they're paying now, the trade exception, and once the Josh Hart deal comes out. Yeah, I think with Devontae, there's multiple things going on there. So first is the thing we just talked about is having expectations of Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, all those people, and it just not panning out, right? So that, that's the option. Sure. When you have those expectations and it, you end up with Devontae Graham, you're like, oh, okay, that's not what I asked for. Um, number two is Lonzo Ball and the perception of who he is as a player nationally. Um, this idea that the Pelicans let him go, got a, um, not a good return and then are now replacing him with Devontae Grant. So that's, that's the other component of it. It's like, there's a lot of people who are very high on Lonzo, um, oh, and are, sh- are using their opinion of him to shape their opinion of the Devontae Grant acquisition because again, they're like, oh, well, they're both point guards, quote unquote. And they're gonna. That's that's who's replacing who. So let's let's see um let's see how the Pelicans did. And and we don't think they did that well. The other thing is when when you combine all those factors and you start looking at at Devontae Graham's shortcomings and you're like, okay, well they gave up Lonzo Ball because you know he's he's primarily a three point shooter. He doesn't do much at the rim. Well, they're bringing in a guy who's shorter than him, who was also primarily a three point shooter and is not great at the rim. So it's easy to focus on the faults of, of Devonte Graham and be like, Hey, he hasn't shot above 40% from the field at any, any point in his, his career yet. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to look at that and be like, Hey, I don't know how this guy fits. Um, it, it's a downgrade defensively because he's smaller and, and we think new Orleans is worse off where I think, I think a lot of people have kind of mentioned it's like, Oh, well, Devonte's supposed to replace Bledsoe and, you know, I think that's a more accurate uh, statement than him replacing Lonzo. I don't think he's replacing anyone per se, because I don't think it's a guarantee that he, he's even starting. Um, but the skill sets that he brings is uh, absolutely elite three-point shooting. He's been one of the six best three-point shooters in terms of makes over the last two years. And his makes come from all over the floor in all different styles. So he's he's a true movement shooter. He can also pull up from deep. And it's not one of those situations where he's just standing in a corner or standing at the wing waiting for someone to to give it to him. He's he's actively kind of creating his own shots by moving around. And and secondly, his his playmaking is really underrated. I think if you guys follow uh Drew Productions, my boy Andrew Smith, he put out a really, really good video breaking down Devontae Graham's game and how he uses all of his shot making and shot manipulation to really accentuate his passing game and so when when teams are scrambling uh to go cover him at the three-point line or to cover one of his pull-ups he's really deadly in those moments because he recognizes oh there's going to be an open man he's able to dump it off to a cutting big and 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 create dunks just just because of the gravity that he has on the three-point line i'm excited for his fit just because i i've long said that the pelicans need a like a true high volume three-point shooter um, I'm excited to see him play with Zion because they're finally going to have a guard that you can't go under on screens with. You have to meet him at the point of screen. Otherwise he's going to pull and, and, and hurt you. 
And so I, I really want to know what that looks like. We already saw that little action when JJ Redick was screening for Zion and, and Zion looked unstoppable at, at all times. Well, I think they're going to be able to do that same stuff, but more one, because um, <laughs> Devontae might be a better shooter at JJ Redick than JJ Redick at this point of his career. I mean, JJ wasn't very good with the Pelicans last year, but two, um, if you run out to Devontae, he can put the ball on the floor and and make something happen. Whereas JJ, he's not really a good passer, nor can he really put the ball on the floor. So I think that allows you to create very interesting wrinkles in, in your offense. So I'm excited to see how that all works out. Yep, agreed. Appreciate you answering the question, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. No, no problem. Anytime. Uh, let's get let's get Jonathan. What's up, Jonathan? I think your boy was before me, James Smith. Okay. I'll let Look him at this first. courtesy. What's up, James? <laughs> What's good? Appreciate it, Jonathan. Uh, no, I was just coming up to ask. Uh, do you think the Pelicans try to go in there and try to get a true backup for uh, Zion? At least set that pile four position because it seemed like that's one thing that we didn't do the first two years and still have not done this year as of yet. So I'm just wondering, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think what's different from the first two years is they've kind of tried to put Melly into that role. And then if it wasn't Melly, you have a bunch of guards in that role. And I think what's different this year is you have some nice wing size players like Najee and Trey and, and even, you know, BI is going to get minutes in that spot. Maybe, and I'm not, I don't think he's going to get minutes here, but maybe Jackson gets minutes there as well. So I don't anticipate the Pelicans really looking for a Zion replacement. Cause if Zion goes down and you're, you're forced to start Najee or, uh, and if Trey's not starting, if you're forced to start Trey, you're not sacrificing much on size, in my opinion. Um, obviously, you're losing Zion's otherworldly offensive ability, but really what it comes down to is, like, can those players defend the other fours or and, and other people on the court? And I, I, there just isn't a single backup power forward that I'm scared of um, that I think that, you know, Najee would struggle with or, or that, you know, Trey, Trey Murphy would struggle with. I Am I missing someone that's, like, really deadly off the bench that, you know, people, people got to worry about. That was a, that was a question, by the way. Okay. Sorry. I was trying to mute. Sorry. Say that, say that question again, my bad. Yeah. Um, you know, is, is there someone I'm missing that's like a backup four from on the bench that, you know, I really, we really got to worry about like in terms of defense. Not really. And I I guess I wouldn't necessarily think about like, um, a replacement in the sense. It was just saying like, for the most part, we always just felt like we was undersized. If, if that made sense. Like, I, sure. I don't – and, you know, even though I wasn't necessarily a fan of the lower marketing uh, thing, um, I still thought that would have been a – for the right price, would have been a decent um, backup plan or something like that just to have someone at that option that you could have Zion and have a, someone that's at least that side that could at least grab rebounds or do whatever. But – you know, even Paul Millsap, I thought may have been someone that could be an option. Um, not sure what what he want to do. Um, he may want to join one of these super teams, so that he may not be a, a realistic option. But um, I was thinking somebody like him who who could be not only a veteran leadership, but someone that could at least play that forward position. But I I do understand a lot of people thought process that there's not too many fours out there that's really big, I mean, outside of Zion, of course, but there's not too many fours out there that's like, you really have to be scared of when it comes to size-wise when if you decide to put Trey at the uh, the four position and then have, I don't know, Najee at the three and then Hart at the two backing him up, you know what I'm saying? So I, I can understand that. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, both Lowry and, and Millsap would have made this team better and they're, and they're useful players, but as far as the advantages that size brings, typically you want someone who can rebound and, and, and defend those bigger players. And I, I don't think you're sacrificing any of that with Najee. Najee's actually, I think, statistically a better rebounder than, than Larry, uh, which is funny. And, and defensively is, is also better, in, in, in my opinion. You know, it's, like, it's not like Larry's going to protect the rim or anything, and you're going to be able to defend a lot of different positions with, 
with Najee out there. Um, someone in the chat was asking, well, you know, who who defends LeBron? Who defends uh, Kawhi? Nobody. And, <laughs> that's, and the, that's the thing. That's it's the, like no one nobody. in the league defends those dudes, yeah. right? So it's it's got to be a team effort, and and you got to try to win the matchup uh, somewhere else. You know, maybe maybe it becomes one of those things where you you know Trey it a few years down the road becomes good enough where you feel comfortable leaving him in single coverage in those moments, right? Um, but even then, you're not stopping the league's best one on one. You you gotta you gotta make a team effort, and you you gotta have everyone follow the scheme and force them to take shots that they're they're normally not taking. And you know, uh, didn't the Pelicans put Najee on LeBron um, at the end of the season? And he did okay. Think yeah, I think so. Well, I'm trying to remember because we played him tw- three times, and the last time everybody was hurt, so it probably was because Najee. I think probably was the only. Wing we really had <laughs> at right. the time, so yeah, that was that, that weird like stretch where they had Najee on like Bradley Beal, they had Najee on on Steph, they had Najee on you know like literally everyone. They're like, yeah, okay, that person is is a good perimeter player, go defend him. And if I remember that Lakers game correctly, he did pretty okay. Right. So you know, as okay as you can be. <laughs> I agree. And I, the only other question that I had was, um, what. What do you see this team like the best that they could possibly do as currently constructed? Um, like as far as seating wise, like what, what is the least what you think that they could accomplish? Cause I know a lot of people kind of pinpoint that outside of the top two teams as you, you know, the Lakers and the Suns in the, in the West, um, a lot of other people kind of hurt and may not be healthy and things of that nature. So, I'm wondering, like, is there hope in that sense where they could be a, a top level? Um, what's the playing team like on that six, sixty something like that, or do you see they still at the same level they were kind of last year, fighting for that ninth or tenth spot to try at least just get into the bottom level of the tenth seed? I mean, the uh, yeah, I mean, I think on paper the roster is better than last year because. Um, for the first two months of the season, it was the the BI show, and Zion was ramping up the speed. He still wasn't like fully himself, and then you had no one else being able to contribute. So you had Lonzo, who was shooting like twenty five percent from three. You had JJ, who couldn't hit a single shot. Josh Hart wasn't hitting. You know, Bledsoe had that really good game against the Raptors to open the season, and then he became Eric Bledsoe for the rest of the season. Um, and Steven Adams was like your second or third best player on, on any given night. And, and your backups were, you know, Melly and Nikhil wasn't consistent at all. Um, there just was a lot going on at the beginning of the season last year that I think the Pelicans have cleaned up and, and I expect them, you know, one, they also discovered two months in that, holy crap, we can give the ball to Zion, let him initiate plays. And we have a really good offense. So there's no more of that, like, discovery, like trying to figure out who Zion is and and what works best for him. You already have that right out the gate. And I think knowing that and having better fitting players, a better fitting bench, they're a better team on paper. Um, Health-wise, that's going to be key for every single team. But looking around the league, I think Denver got worse because they're not going to have Jamal Murray. Um, You know, their backcourt is, is pretty suspect. For, for the whole season. Um, I think Portland, you can argue, is either going to be the same or, or is going to be worse, but they're they're not really a, a great team. Uh, I don't think they're in the upper echelon of, uh, of the Western Conference at the moment, and you also just don't know what uh, a first-year head coach is going to look like for them, and you can say the same for the Pelicans, of course, because Willie Green is going to be a first-year head coach, but you also don't know you know, we've seen how the how the AD cloud impacted the Pelicans when we knew the trade was on, on the horizon and he was just looking for a way out. I don't know Damian Lillard, but it definitely feels like that's what's brewing in, in Portland. Certainly the league expects him to ask out by the end of the year. Um, so I don't know how that impacts guys who are playing with him and, and their quest if they know, like, hey, this is just a sinking ship and we're going to be on our way out of here soon. Yeah, hey, um, I, yeah I, don't, I don't see Portland as a playoff team. I know a lot of people will say, well, like, you got Dame, you should be able to make it, but I I just don't see them as that – as good as he is, I just still don't see them as a team that's going to be much of a threat, even with him, in the sense. Like, yeah. I think 
Golden State. <laughs> a lot of people looked at, laughed at me, but I, like I felt last year Golden State team probably a little bit better than this year's Portland team. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I think I think they're going to be a chance. Like, they're not going to be an easy out, right? Especially anytime you got Dame on the floor, like you just he can go flamethrower and win a game by himself. But it's not one of those teams where it's like, hey, this is a a solid fifty win team in the West, right? If you don't have a bunch of fifty win teams in the West, if they're all a bunch of forty five, forty three win teams, well, then those are extra wins to be had across the season. Um, and so that's why I'm saying, like, you know, Denver's still a playoff team, but I think there's, you know there's more wins to be had from Denver than, than a normal season if they were fully healthy. Likewise, you know, San Antonio, in my opinion, got a lot worse. Memphis got worse. They made the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there are obvious teams that got worse. I think the Pelicans did get better. And then ultimately, you don't know what the wild card is going to be with regards to the health. All right, Yep. What's up, Jonathan? Wait, if I'm not wrong, Dame's never missed the playoffs. I believe he's missed them once. Once? Maybe once. I think yeah. early on with LaMarcus Aldridge and then like his oh, uh, second year. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're right. You're probably right. Uh, I, don't he may not have I don't think he's ever missed. But uh, I was going to say, we're really um, – we're really hoping the Keel's like our third option. I think like we're really hoping he pans out this year and really turns up. Yeah, I mean, I don't like. I, was, I don't know why why you have to think he's the third option. I think the the clear the third best player on this team is is Jonas. Um, yeah, obviously, but I mean, like, we need another good guard. We need, yeah. we need him to really be good. Like, I mean, I feel like he's a key piece. I feel like he'll really make a jump. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I think I said last year he was the third best player on the team. I, mean, I stand by it. I stand by it. I think he, you know, uh, he he was that last year, and I, I expect him to continue to be good as he gets consistent minutes. More right? consistent, I think the thing with him, yeah. The thing with him is, like, he needs to know where his minutes are coming from. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, we can talk back and forth on whether he should start or come off the bench. But as long as he's getting a consistent 25, 30 uh, 33 minutes, somewhere around that range, and he and he knows he's not going to get yanked every every third play or something like that. I think mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah. And the other thing I just want to ask you real quick is, uh, like, if a superstar becomes available, like, say Washington starts season off bad and Beal ass out, or like, you know, Dame obviously ask out Portland starts the year off bad, ask out, like, are we are still we- like you think we'll make a push to go after the next superstar available still? Since yeah. the assets we have, I mean, they made a push to go after a 35-year-old Kyle Lowry. So of course they will they will make a push to go after all of these guys. I think it's going to depend on on how aggressive Situation. these superstars are in in forcing their destination. Yeah, I was just wondering about that because I'm I'm like we're not done yet. <laughs> it's a process, not. right? Rosters aren't built in overnight. Yeah, right. And I. All right. All right. What's up, Chad? Good talking to you. Good talking to you, Jonathan. What's up, Chad? Hey, what's going on, man? Man, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Hey, um, I I, I might have joined the chat a little late. Did y'all talk about maybe potential starting lineups? Because I really like this kid, Trey Murphy. I think that he could. I would love to see him in the starting lineup. But do you think who you think is going to win that other job, him or Najee? Man, uh, that's a great question. We have not talked about starting lineups yet. Uh, we've kind of danced around that question a little bit. Uh, I don't, I would personally prefer, uh, Trey to start over Najee. I think just having a consistent shooter, shooter out there is going to open up the offense so much. And, and the role for him is more simple, right? So the role for him is just like, Hey, you have all of these open shots that Zion and BI are going to create and, and Jonas is going to create, right? So Lonzo got a lot of those open threes last year. He got around eight of them and you just have to knock those down. That's, that's your job. And otherwise they close out on you, you know, make smart passes and play good defense. That's all they need them to do. Whereas Najee's skill set, I think is a little bit more optimized off the bench where he can, uh, he, he can play make a little bit. He can, he can, you know, take the, the ball off the dribble a little bit. Be, have a little bit 
more playmaking reps. And until he's a more consistent shooter, I know he shot well in summer league, um, but until he's a more consistent shooter, I'm a little bit hesitant to put him in that starting group. But I'm totally fine closing with him, especially if they're closing small and they're playing all their wings. Yeah, I kind of was thinking the same thing. I was thinking that the Graham would start, and I think you would start the two wings with Trey and B.I. with Zion and, and Giannis. Um, Valachunas is kind of starting lineup I was thinking about. I just kind of like Nikhil coming off the bench as like a volume shooter off the bench where he can come in and we can see if he's hot. Because I still feel like his defense is a lot to be desired. Like, if he isn't shooting well, I don't feel like he adds much value on the, on the lineup. Yeah, it's interesting you feel that way. I, I actually um, – I'm a pretty big fan of his defense. I think he competes uh, – I think he competed harder than anyone uh, on the backcourt last year on the defensive end. Um, you know, he generates the most deflections and steals per, per game uh, for the Pelicans by, by a good margin. Uh, he's always, you know, I think he's a gamer. And so with his size and his his activity on that end, I'm pretty optimistic of him being a good fit. Um, and the reason I, I'm i leaning him as a starter, uh, like pen, like penning him as a, as a guaranteed starter, is because he provides that, that north to south, like rim pressure um, off the dribble that very few people on the Pelicans provide outside of Zion and, and B.I. You know, like Kyra obviously has that, but – he, you know, he struggles in other places due to his size. Whereas Nikhil, um, I think if you if you need a pressure bucket, if you're like, okay, it's the end of a shot clock, and we need to make something happen, you can give it to Nikhil, and, and he, he can make something happen. And so I think every team needs like a pressure release valve, and and for me, uh, I like that guy being Nikhil with with the starters. Hey, and my last question for you guys. Who do you think wins the backup point guard spot out of Kyra or Sadaraski? I'm kind of leaning towards Sadaraski for what I saw in the um, summer league with Kyra. He still got a lot of work to do. I agree that I think Sadaraski wins wins out. I think one, you know, it's one of those things where you can't play all of these young guys together, so you need at least a steady vet, and that's literally his job description is to be a steady vet. You know, he. He takes care of the ball well. He moves it well. Um, he's an efficient scorer when in the few offensive possessions that he gets, he doesn't get very many. Um, and so that's that's a lot of what they need in on the on the bench side. And plus, like being able to showcase him a little bit for for trade purposes. Um, I would not be surprised if Kyra is squeezed out of the rotation to start the year, kind of like how Nikhil and, and Jackson were uh, last year. And then as as things change and people get injured, you know, Cairo works his way back in and hopefully, you know, hopefully he's able to actually just win it outright in, in the training camp battle. And he just looks good from the get go. But um, at this point, you know, without seeing any of, of the preseason games and then how the roster shakes out, I think Sandoransky is probably going to win that spot. Now on to sleeper sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game changing product. Unlike anything else in the industry. And now you can make money on sleeper too, by playing their new over under game. It's super simple. First in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over or under, for example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about over under on sleeper. It's the only app where I can join my buddy's contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download sleeper now to play their new over under game and have fun with your friends. And most importantly, make some money. Make sure you use that promo code blue wire and sleeper will match your deposit up to $100. Again, download sleeper, then use promo code blue wire. When you deposit terms and conditions apply, see sleepers terms of use for details. All right. Uh, let's get, I don't even know who was next. I'm going to start picking people. Uh, what's up, Joey. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? I'm chilling, man. All right. I, I have a simple question, man. It's, it's I'm, I'm excited for the season. Um, 
I know they, they're going to be releasing the, um, the schedule real soon. I'm actually hoping that the Pelicans don't get a lot of national televised games. I think you have a lot of, you know, it's a lot of negativity going on right now. But my biggest question, and I'm hoping you can answer it, is what the hell is going on with Bailey Sports, man? Are we going to have, like, better camera angles and stuff like that? Because it was, like, it was horrible last year. Yeah, that's someone our- that's, that's, like, really plugged in on, on, on these matters told me that they got, like, new everything. And they replaced all the old stuff, which doesn't make sense to me because the old stuff was great. Um, I think it was, they said it was like a new truck and new cameras and whatnot. I have no idea what's going on with them. I, I really do hope that uh, they've been spending this off season figuring it out and testing and upgrading their infrastructure. And when the season is ready to start, we don't got that shitty gray filter that's on there that makes everything dark and the sound is off and the quality is low. I would be I'd be ecstatic if that was the case because I love watching uh, the games and listening to Joel and AD. Yeah, man, because like I, I've been trying to reach out to someone. Like, I mean, I pay for the league pass. I'm in Maryland, so I'm from New Orleans, but you know, I I just I can't get in contact with anybody about it. You know, so hopefully they can figure it out because I'm sure they see a lot of people complain about it all the time. Yeah, you know? I hope so too. But you know, I just hope it's not one of those things where they're like, "Haha, we, we you know we got guaranteed contracts, we're making money anyway, we don't owe anyone anything." I really hope that's not the case. Appreciate it. Yep. Yeah, Joey, I, I can speak to that a little bit. A buddy of mine, um, he actually runs the camera operation at the games, and he said their truck that they had when they were were Fox was a brand new truck, and when they switched uh, to Bally's. They brought in an older truck, which had a, a different frequency, and some of the cameras were not up to speed. And there was a lot of complaints about the actual, uh, you know, picture quality. But my question that I guess I'm going to put to you, Schmidt, is um, I don't understand the whole Josh Hart uh, re-signing, especially for the amount of money that they had. I mean, they're basically bidding against themselves to give him that kind of money. I, I'm coming on late to the call, so I don't know if if y'all spoke to this in the beginning of the um, of the, the broadcast, but. Um, I just don't see the minutes coming for him, especially the way Najee's kind of moved himself up in the rotation, I feel, from a defensive standpoint. And then also the, the other comment I have is if you look at the numbers with Naw, he actually produced better numbers when he was in a starting lineup than coming in off the bench. So it seems like he settles in a little bit knowing that he's going to get more minutes being in that starting role. Uh, and, and I think maybe that, that second unit is going to be um, – you know, more apt to, I think Sadoransky is going to be a guy that's going to help us out, but you can see it in summer league with Kyra a little a couple of times. He, he over penetrates, um, gets a little bit ahead of his skis, I guess with, with his speed. Um, and in his floaters right around the rim, he's still not able to absorb as much contact you'd like to see, but he is making some progress in his, um, but I, I, you know, I guess the question I pose to you is, is really, would, can you explain <laughs> why the, the whole Josh Hart signing is that, is that strictly to give the numbers inflation, so that they can attract or make another move with a, with a bigger uh, fish out there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not allowed to speak on his contract uh, at the moment, but here's what I can say is that there's a um, there's a large portion, very large portion of it that's not guaranteed. And and I spoke about this a little bit as the call started that you know well, the Pelicans did something similar with Darius Miller a couple of years ago. Well, uh, use that as a as a model. Um, and, and thinking about what this contract might look like and, and what its purposes might be. Because Darius Miller was a, was a human trade exception, and, and that's what Josh Hart is. He's, uh, it is a deal designed to be traded, and I've talked to a lot of – I've talked to several cap people on different teams, and they are like, I have never seen anything like this before. Um, so it's going to be really fun when, when it comes out. But just know that that this deal is designed to be traded, and there's a lot of non-guaranteed. Players. Yeah, because it seems as of right on paper right now, at least for what's been reported, he's been making more money than Graham, which seems absurd to me. But the the other part about um, that st- starting uh, Trey is is another thing that I mean I like him as you mentioned before in the finishing unit, but I think it, it might be behoove him best as being that second unit going against second level defenders to let him really get that confidence going. And then maybe at some point as, as you see him flourish, like he's flourishing right now in, in summer league, I mean, his stats Sorry. are unbelievable. Um, Sorry, I got cut off there. Um, I was getting a phone call. You were saying about Trey going in against the. Uh... 
Yeah, I was saying, you know, him going against the second unit, I think building up his confidence more. I mean, you see him flourishing right now in Summer League against, you know, like I say, second-tier guys. Most of these guys are, are not going to be front-line guys in the NBA. And I think it'd be perfect for him to, to build that confidence with the second unit and then maybe be in that closing lineup as, as the season moves on. But um, a lot of people are, you know, I think rushing him into be a starter. And I think that's what kind of happened in the keel when he came off that wonderful summer league. And then they, he got some extended minutes and he was forcing everything. So, I mean, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I, I think second unit initially, and then maybe eventually closing unit and then maybe start as, as the season goes on. That's, that's kind of the way I see it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think the situation with Nikhil is, is similar. I think Nikhil, the issue with him is one uh, to start his career off. He was in his own head a lot. And two, I don't think Alvin gave him consistent minutes. I thought they were all over the place. It was one night I'm playing Frank Jackson, one night I'm playing Nikhil, one night I'm playing JJ. You know, it was, it was all over the place. And, and those things where you just don't know where your minutes are going to come from can uh, lead you to make erratic decisions when you're on the floor because you're like, I don't know when I'm going to get these minutes again. I, I got to, A, prove that I, I deserve them, and B, like get my money's worth. Um, with With Trey, I think – you know, as you touched on a little bit earlier with, with Nikhil settling in as, as a, as in that starter role. Well, what happens is when you have guys like Zion and BI and, and now Jonas, um, those guys attract so much attention, so much defensive attention that it's sometimes easier to look good when you're playing against, uh, when you're playing with better players. And I think with regards to Trey, the quality of shots that he's going to get, the open looks that he's going to get, because, you know, Trey's not going to be a guy where, you throw the ball to him and you're like, all right, go create something off the dribble for him. That's just not going to be his game. So, like, as far as beating defenders off the dribble or, or being, you know, um, relied to score a lot of points, I, I really don't think that's going to be that much of a factor. I think for him and his pathway to success is what units and what lineups can he be put in that give him the most amount of open shots? Because I think it's year one, the focus should be just getting him the most open shots really, you know, doubling down on his strengths and allowing him to uh, show off his shooting. And so I think, I don't know, right? I, I think that that happens when you put him next to Zion and B.I. and Jonas uh, because just, again, the, the amount of defensive attention that they're going to attract in the paint, I really don't think any any coaching staff is going to be like, hey, um, I want you to stay glued on to Trey Murphy and let Zion have a layup. Uh, I think they're going to let, you know, allow the, the teams to crash in on, on the paint, just like uh, they have been over the past few years. And Trey's going to get a lot of open looks. And so what I'm looking at, uh, what I'm looking at for him is, is yeah, that those open shots. And I think conversely him being able to hit those open shots is going to be a, on a consistent basis is going to be a big upgrade from last year where, you know, it was a coin flip. Is this person, are the, is the backcourt going to hit shots tonight or not? The last question I got for you before I put myself on mute is, you know, I follow you on Twitter, and obviously it seems like Buddy Hill's a guy that you would like to see in a Pelicans uniform. But if you could have anybody that seems like they are available right now, who would that guy be? Is it Buddy, or is it somebody else you think would be the perfect fit in this uh, Pelicans lineup? Yeah, well, with regards to Buddy, I just thought he was a player that, A, Sacramento is, is really eager to get rid of, and so they'd be willing to compensate you to do so. And, and B, he's a historic level shooter and that fits right in. And so anytime I can increase the amount of shooting on this team, I'm, I'm going to go do it. Uh, you know, I think there are various players that are good to great to excellent fits. It just all depends on the cost required to get them. With Buddy specifically, I knew the cost was only going to be like Josh Hart and Santoransky and, and whatever salary would need to be matching. And you might get like a second round pick out of it. And so that's what made Buddy a really attractive trade for me is that, oh, hey, he, he fits this extreme need that the Pelicans have because he's really, really good at this one skill that has taken over the NBA and, and he's going to be very easy to acquire. And so that was the whole appeal of Buddy. I mean, there's a lot of players like, you know, like OG Ananobi would be freaking great on this team, right? Um, a guy, you know, any star would be great on this team. Any, any, you know, any of the, the Utah players would be great on this team. Uh, but what is the cost to get them? Are the Pelicans willing to stomach that cost at this moment? And I think right now around the league, there are very, very few true sellers. And so if there was a needle moving piece, they would have gotten them by now. 
Well, Griff better make a move because I think uh, this is uh, his last shot. Because if they don't make the playoffs, if, I think if it's a barely get in playoff, um, whatever the, the play in game, uh, and and we don't see some real progress, I think he, his numbers, his days are numbered in, in, in New Orleans. So I'm very frustrated yeah. with his his uh, yeah his his production. Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I think I think the roster is is a better fitting roster this year. So we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Yep, no problem. Uh, let's see who's been waiting. Uh, what up, Steven? You've been here a while. Yo, what's popping, man? Man, you know, just talking pels. Yes, sir. Look, man, I got a few things to get off right quick, man. First of all, man, I'm so glad that we ain't got to be bothered with the Zoanon anymore. So if any Zoanon people in this chat, Man, y'all can take y'all at Chicago. Y'all go harass um who the hell? Uh Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan and all why he ain't getting the shots he thinks he should get. <laughs> Second of all, shit. Um roster construction. So much better now. I swear. They said, oh, no, we got Devontae Graham. Man, we could have just kept Lonzo. Man, we kept Lonzo. We've seen Lonzo for two years. Yeah, he improved his three-point shot, but it's still way, way inconsistent. And one day he'll be hot, go eight for 12, and then go one for 11. I mean, people forget the one for 11, but they want to hype up the eight for 12 or nine for 13. Devontae Graham is a more consistent person in my eyes. And um but but like I uh, told somebody else, I, I didn't think that Devontae was replacing Lonzo as more as he was replacing the uh the black hole known as Eric Bledsoe. You know, people always people must be forgetting we don't have this man no more. <laughs> we don't have to worry about him. <laughs> we don't have to see him no more. Want to see him forget about uh, forget about a defensive assignment, um, <laughs> and wings. When the last time we had all these wing players, wing defenders? My God, it's beautiful in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm I'm very glad that you've taken the time to touch on on all these subjects. Uh you know, you know, um, I like to to rile up the Lonzo fans, and so it's. I'm definitely not going to miss that experience. I'll, I'll just put it that way. Um, with with regards to Devonte, I'm I'm pretty excited to see what he can do. Uh, I I can't pretend to know that you know he's going to be this great player for the Pelicans, but uh, on the surface, his skills make a lot of sense for the team, and particularly with Zion. And I think the one thing that the uh, that people have kind of underlooked, and, and I don't know if it's going to end up being important or not, but Devontae's been a ridiculously efficient player in the clutch and in the fourth quarter uh, over the last two years, like ridiculously efficient. And and these are really small sample sizes and, and really don't have much predictive power. But when you've been as bad as the Pelicans have over the last two years, when you've been that bad, you're going to look for any positive on that front. <laughs> and so if Devontae can can carry over and, and some of that production or, or continue that production on this team, um, I think that alone should make a lot of differences in the win-loss column because we all know the Pelicans blew like 14 games uh, <laughs> by double digits, right? Right. So hopefully, right. <laughs> Shit. And look, and now that we got, you know, Devontae Graham, you know, we ain't got to worry about, you know, Lonzo trying to jack up an end of a shot clock three or some driving to a lane and just throw it to somebody because he don't want to get fouled or whatnot. You said driving? Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> attempting to drive. Sorry. I mean, hell, he uh, was damn near like Ben Simmons in the uh, clutch. Yeah. I mean, look, um, That's I, I, agree, I agree with all that. I, I agree with all that, and I'm – I'm excited to see a different look. I'm excited to see that the Pelicans have different and versatile options this time around, right? So maybe it's not Graham, maybe it's Lonzo, maybe it's Sanaransky, maybe it's it's Trey Murphy, maybe it's Najee, right? They have the ability right. to 
do all these different things. And most importantly, they have a coach who's not going to be dead set on playing Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams, right? He's right. going to have a coach that's not going to be dead set and, like, I got to play this specific style, right? Exactly. Uh, really green already in summer league when he's wanted to to close out games and to really put distance between him, himself and the other team, he's gone small. He's put Herb Jones at center, right? He's he's put he's put Trey Murphy on 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 the big dude. So clearly, and this is a team. This is a coach who's been saving his kind of quote unquote best lineup for um for for the end. And so I'm excited to see who he thinks the best lineup is going to be for the Pelicans, who emerges as that best lineup. And and I'm excited to also see the experimentation process it's going to take to to find out who those guys are going to be, right? Because it's not going to be something that you're going to know day one of, of, of camp. You're not going to know that. You're probably not even going to know that two months into the season, right? It's going to be something that develops over time. And, you're, and But it, I hope it's one of those things that really pops off uh, that you're like, okay, yeah, this is this is working. We got to do this, and and they find whatever mix that is. So, but the most important thing is this this flexibility and and a willingness to lean into that flexibility. So I'm excited to see that. Right, right. You just got a a coach now that's willing to to go crazy, not not to go crazy per se, but to do stuff outside the box that you know we haven't seen down here in a while. And uh, one last thing about the uh, flex- roster flexibility, and it pertains to summer league. But like, you know, people complain that oh man, Najee is like you know, ball hogging and driving and all that. But I'm saying let this man get his shots off. Let most of these guys get their shots off right now, because you know they're not gonna be doing that in the regular season. Let them ball. <laughs> let them yeah. let them act like Kobe. Before the regular season starts and he returns to being Najee, <laughs> you know, DD, we're not going to let him bring the ball up the damn court if he even hits, hits the court early. You know, him and Herb, they're going to be G League partners for a while. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just a numbers game. Yeah, I know. I agree. And even I got caught up in the whole, like, oh, DD's trying to do too much. But that is the point of Summer League, right? Is, is, you let these guys cut loose a little bit, and if Najee shows that he can, he's got all this off the dribble uh, juice, then great, right? Then maybe you can start working some of that into your um, into your preseason stuff. But if you know he's, he's showing that he struggled like he has, you're like, all right, yeah, we're gonna we're definitely gonna keep you on that reduced role and and um, you know keep it right. a little bit narrower of a path. So it, it's summer league; it, it really doesn't mean mean anything and you know even though we're all hyped up that that Trey Murphy has been awesome it again it applies to him as well it, it doesn't mean anything uh um, right. but hey man I'm not trying to ruin ruin, ruin anyone's parade uh and look there's some things that is some things you can take from the summer league that can transfer to the regular season like effort and IQ that that transfers now. You know the points these people score. Like we know they're not gonna do that. You know Najee ain't putting up no twenty something points. If if he is, then sh- shit, give us home court in the first round, and you know Zion's happy. He gets to play in the playoffs. He gets more Jordan commercials during the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, yeah, I, I I totally agree. But you know, I mean, I think there's like some some things that you could take away, right? And so. The things that we talked about, like with Willie Green being willing to to experiment with his lineups, um, Willie Green drawing up a really good end of uh, end of game play. I think that's important, right? You know, that's yeah, that was take, nice. Right? Um, you know, just like you said, the effort uh, that these guys play with. So Najee had a moment where he knocked, uh, where he locked up Trey Mann, and Trey Mann's been like one of the shiftiest players in college last year. Uh, so right. that was good to see, right? Um, and, and your boy from Chicago too. He put him in hell as well. Yep, yep, that, and that's a, that's a lottery that's ticket. NBA starter. Right. That's a starter yeah. on a hopeful playoff team, right? They're trying to make the playoffs just like the Pelicans. Exactly. Um, and, and yeah, so, like, Trey Murphy uh, stonewalling Kaminga in the post, right? Kaminga's a strong dude. He's, he's, he's 18. He's not, I think he's 18, right? Not 19 yet. But he's a strong right. dude. He's, he's like Zion in the sense that, you know, he was way more physically developed. 
uh, for a rookie and a young player than 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 the normal guy. And so, Hell yeah. and so just being able to use your length, I think, is is important. Um, I talked about this with with someone else, but we've always wanted like Bi to use his wingspan, right? Just like raise your hands, dude. Like you're gonna you're gonna get deflections. Um, right. And and Trey Murphy kind of figuring that out, like, oh, I'm bigger than everyone here. Like I can reach into everything. Um, has been great to watch, and him, him having that like freedom to to play make defensively uh, that he didn't have in Virginia has been has been good to see. So I hope that continues as well. Yeah, and um, look like Bi put on a couple pounds in this offseason. Look like he's like two fifteen, two twenty, unless his, his his clothes were baggy. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll see, man. We'll see. <laughs> I heard he was he was quite light uh, last year, and so I hope uh, yeah. I, I really hope that he's he's filled out a little bit that way when he's in season and he's dropping his pounds, it's still like a good weight. Right. All right, man. Appreciate it, man. Hey, look, I'm I'm looking forward to y'all to uh, you and your boy. Um, who that dude on uh that you be interacting with on Twitter all the time, Maple. So I hope y'all do a pod <laughs> one time, man. The, the yeah, we're gonna have to get him up in here for sure. Hell for yeah, sure. y'all cool as hell. Yeah, I appreciate you, Stephen. I. Right. What's up, Derek? You've been waiting patiently. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Appreciate you doing these. I, I was waiting for this, man. I love these things. Um, but uh, just based off of you know your opinion alone, um, and, and what we've done this off season, how are you feeling about our odds making the playoffs, and most importantly, uh, making Zion happy enough to sign that extension? Um, and then maybe what are some things we should expect within the next couple of months for as Pelicans fans, as far as maybe roster moves or anything of that such nature. Yeah, with with regards to making Zion happy, that's just not been a concern of mine. For me, like, look, if you're unhappy, then say it. Don't don't use your parents to say it or your family to say it or whatever the case may be. Just say it, you know, and, and that's fine if you are, right, because the Pelicans haven't won that much. Um, but you know, with regards to his happiness, right, until he signs that qualifying offer, which no one in history has done before, um, I just I just can't spend much time worrying about it. If he doesn't sign that extension next year, okay, it's whatever. There's still another year. Um, it's it's just something that's not within my control, and so I just don't like to worry about it. Um, I, I know I know people are are going to speculate about it. National media is going to talk about it. Probably going to be the talk of like every single game that the Pelicans are on national TV. Like, oh, did you know they let go of Lonzo? Well, Zion might not be happy about that. Um, Whatever. It's just something you're going to have to deal with as a small market until it's over with. But um, I think the Pelicans have a two year window at least. Right. So, like, I don't think the if he if he doesn't sign this summer, um, I, I agree with with Doan here that probably Griff is fired if that happens. But I don't think that means Zion is gone. Right. I it, It's one of those things where you have a two year window to, to kind of shape up your team. And this year they maintain a lot of flexibility going into next off season. They haven't saddled themselves with any bad contracts. They have a lot of assets to work with. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with where they are as far as if they're going to make the playoffs. I have no idea. I like said multiple times on here that I think their, their team has gotten better. I think they should have a better start. Um, You know, I think their bench is better. I think the pieces fit better. There's probably going to be a much better vibe around the team due to the coach. Uh, there's been a lot of sneaky improvement, in my opinion. Uh, I just have no idea if it's going to translate to the court. I hope so. Yeah, maybe just one last quick question. I'm not sure if you can comment on it. Um, but, you know, based off your reporting, should we expect to see Jackson Hayes suiting up for training camp, or is this something that may drag? Yeah, so, look, here's here's something um, I, I – I, they haven't talked much about Jackson Hayes, but the day it happened, um, I was told the charge is not going to stick and it's not domestic violence. So I haven't heard anything beyond that. And so far, the stuff that's come out with regards to his reporting, um, in my opinion, have painted the police as the aggressors much more so than Jackson. Um 
And with the letter that the LAPD police union sent to Gail Benson and, and Adam Silver, I think that's, you know, obviously that's not something that can be admitted as evidence, but I think it's, you know, if they had something to charge him with, uh, they would be, they would be going up that alley pretty quick instead of petitioning to mom to ground him. Um, so I think, I think Jackson Hayes is going to be around. I think Swing Cash mentioned him uh, in her interview during one of these summer league games about one of the young players that they're excited for, for next season. Um, Jackson's already posted on social media that year three is going to be crazy. I, I think, I think it's going to be much ado about nothing. Um, with regards to him, I, I am happy that he is healthy. I'm happy that he's alive. Um, and so that's, that's been my biggest concern, uh, regarding that whole incident. And, um, yeah, I hope that, you know, whatever, whatever justice is due, um, happens. And if it does come out that, you know, he, uh, he, um, did something criminal or, you know, he did something, uh, that deserves to be charged with, then absolutely. Like, I'm not going to support that, but it's seeming like that's not the case. Appreciate it again, man. Keep up the good work. Yep. All right, Tanner, how you doing, man? Hey, good. Thanks. I hope I'm not coming in too quiet. It's pretty late here in Germany at the moment, <laughs> trying to keep it down. Oh, um, damn. Hello. <laughs> it's, it's actually interesting with the Jack's question. Um, do, has any has anyone on the team or the staff said anything, made any kind of statement or show of support for him since this happened? No, the only thing that the only public thing that the team has talked about with regards to Jackson is swing cash on TV the other night when she was listing off the young players and she was like, yeah, Nikhil and Jackson are players we're really excited about. Um, and so that has been it. I think it's one of those situations where they are probably going to wait for all the details to come out um, or whatnot. I mean, it's probably like a lawyer thing. I have no idea. I, this is all speculation on my part where the best case is not to say anything right now and then wait for all of it and then, you know, come out and say a lot of things. So we'll see. We'll see how that all plays out. I don't expect much from Adam Silver at this point. I think he mishandled the the Masai Jiri situation pretty badly. So um, he, I don't have high expectations uh, with regards to him, if he's going to comment on this, but we'll see. I mean, they did, the LAPD did call him out by his name and uh, wrote a letter to him. So I would hope that some reporter out there seeks a comment. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that letter, right. Um yeah, well, um, yeah, my original question was going to be, do you think that the, the national media a little bit overvalues the impact of star players on a team? Because I look back at the playoffs, and I, I don't follow other teams as closely as the Pels, but you look at the Suns and the Bucks and the finals, and especially at the Suns, it feels like they're not that star-heavy compared to one of these super teams, and yet here they are in the finals. And I just look at our team, and I feel like it's pretty deep this year in comparison to the past years. Maybe that's, maybe that's enough. I don't know. It just feels like we got crapped on so much in this off season for not having enough big star names. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I think stars are like the proven way to win in the NBA and they're like the, the single be- biggest driving factor for you winning a championship. So the more of them you can have, the, the better, obviously that's a, a challenge for any team, particularly the smallest market in the NBA um, and, you know, casual fans love stars. Like that's what they tune in to watch. So uh, the NBA is definitely going to market those players and uh, media is definitely going to market those players. Um, I I don't know if they are overvalued per se. Right. I mean, like I don't necessarily think the Lakers become this incredibly dangerous team with the addition of, Russell Westbrook, I mean, I think they're already an incredibly dangerous team. I just don't know how much Russell Westbrook adds to that, right? So it's a weird fit. Um, But you look at Brooklyn, like, when they're healthy, (laughs) they're just a cheat code. And if they were healthy, I'm not sure Milwaukee wins, right? So uh, I'm not, you know, you can even argue that maybe the Suns don't get past L.A. if L.A. was healthy. So I think stars are definitely important, but circumstances matter, and, and obviously health matters a lot, too. Exactly. I think that's part of it. Well, you know, anyways, that's that's all I got for now. Thanks for the 
the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I appreciate you calling in all the way from uh, Germany. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, I don't got much else. Uh, we've been going on for an hour, so I appreciate y'all joining me. Um, we'll, we're going to do more of these, uh, going forward because I have more availability on my hands. And, um, so keep an eye out for them and I appreciate y'all jumping in. What's up, everybody? I'm Bladen. I'm Matt. And I'm Theo. And we are Stay Hot, the only podcast that gives you the hottest analysis and takes on the NFL and NBA all year round. I know that there's a lot of losers and haters out there who don't think three sports TikTokers can hang for a full pod, but, you know, we're going to prove them all wrong. We're about to dive deep into the NFL draft and are already hitting the NBA playoffs. So watch Stay Hot on YouTube or listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.